Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Ward. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. Uh, we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscarsity Podcast. Sure, we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong. What are we watching this week, Zach? This week we're watching Patton. It's a 1970 American epic biographical war film about U.S. General George S. Patton during World War II. Or how are you pronounced? World War Bolt. My tongue swelled. WW2. World War II, an extremely goofy war. Yes. <laughs> or something. <laughs> It wasn't goofy at all. I don't think people would Unless, appreciate well, that. Unless you watch Hogan's Heroes. Then it was a really goofy one. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's something like that. Uh, hey, it's a repeat episode. Uh, is this everybody's first time watching this movie? No. No. Uh, I to write the date down, but about two years ago. All right. Um, should should I go through it? it should go, go back and listen to our other episode on the best picture side if you want to hear our stories on the first time that you saw this film that's right we'll start we'll start doing that shitty cop out to try to boost our listening in other episodes yeah oh, it's episode 47 <laughs> tanks for the memories <laughs> oh August. crap i was gonna name that this one <laughs> tanks for the memories tanks for the memories too an extremely goofy war <laughs> yes that's exactly what the title of this one there should we go <laughs> yeah. uh all right well now that we have titled this episode Weeks before we normally do, let's do an Oscar breakdown. Hey, we are doing. Hold on, yeah, stretch. No, I just got to breathe in, so I have some air to tell this title. Uh, best story and screenplay based on a factual material. Period. Material not previously published or produced. They made it longer. <laughs> <laughs> we complained about this last time too. You did. It's a worthy. I, complaint. I, I complained, but I'm gonna. I'm going to be so happy when this is done. All yeah. this nonsense. Patton. Patton wins, giving Nicolas Cage's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, an Academy Award, as well as Edmund H. North. It beats old out Eddie. five. Oh, what? Oh, sorry. I just said good old Eddie. Good old Eddie. Edmund H. North. Patton beats out five easy pieces. Nominations to Adrian Joyce for screenplay and story by Bob Rafelson and Adrian Joyce. Beats out Joe. Written by Norman Wexler. Everybody's favorite film love story. Written by Eric Siegel. And um, My Night at Mods. Written by Eric Romer. Hmm. It is nominated for Best Picture, which it wins. Giving Frank McCarthy an Academy Award. Plug that episode one more time. It wins Best Director. Giving Franklin J. Schaffner an Academy Award. Wins Best Actor. Though George C. Scott disagrees with that. George Cooth Scott. Good old Cooth Scott. Uh, it is not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Carl Malden was robbed. Uh, it is nominated for Best Original Score, giving Jerry Goldsmith a nomination. Loses to Love Story. Francis Lied, the Academy Award. Uh, it is nominated for Best Sound, which it wins, giving Douglas Williams and Doc Batson Academy Awards. It wins Best Art Direction, giving Yuri McCleary Academy Award for Art, or Yuri McCleary and Gil Perando Art Direction Academy Awards, and Antonio Mateos and Pierre Louis Devenet Set Decorations. I'm pretty sure I butchered that. Well, it sounded nice anyway. Cool names. Thank, thank you. 
it wins best film editing giving hugh s fowler academy awards uh beating out thelma shoemaker in her first nomination and it is nominated for best visual effects losing to torah 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 and uh that's it that's our oscar breakdown all right there. well there we go let's talk about this movie Let's oh, this movie. Um, so yeah, after not listening to any of our episodes, particularly our uh, first patent one, I don't remember how I thought of the movie, but I like this movie. Yeah, you liked it then too. Yeah, good. Yeah, I I, I really like this movie. And, there was uh, yeah. yeah. There's one thing in particular that you really liked. Was there one thing in particular that I really liked? One thing that you called out anyway. I mean, the sound is phenomenal. Tanks. These tanks. We like tanks. <laughs> tanks, 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 tanks. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I like this movie. Yeah, Me too. This is a very good movie. Very good movie. Yes. As I was uh you know preparing for the week, I was thinking back. You know, I remember it being a good movie. I remember liking it. I don't. Uh, I was thinking like best original screenplay. Screenplay though was that uh where it was at? But then I was watching it and I was like, oh yeah. This is, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of good dialogue, and um, it is a very well written film. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. It definitely captures the feeling that it wants to, mm-hmm. and George C. Scott can he can make any dialogue to shine. I'm not saying oh, this right. is underwritten in any. It sure isn't, but yeah, Scott was that he's so good. That's My kind of what is, I was. Yeah. No, go ahead, Zach. Well, I was just going to piggyback off that. I was coming into this thinking, yeah, didn't George C. Scott really carry it with his performance? And he does. He really does. But the, the writing, like you said, it's, it's not because of having to lift up poor writing. He just makes it all the better. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why I have this film literally in the middle of the best picture stuff. Do you, do you want me to do it up front, or do you want to talk yeah, about the movie? Let's, let's Emil Zola it right at the beginning. <laughs> All right. It, it was up front because um, George, George S. Patton is a complete piece of shit as a human being. Yeah. He's yeah. uh, very anti-Semitic, and uh, he loved Nazis. Oh, that's right. They really didn't sell that part in this film. They did not sell that part. They Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he um, he thought that the Nazis were just just fine. He didn't understand. Like he was like, "I'm killing them because I'm told to kill them, but we should be killing Russians. <laughs> These Nazis, they're they're fine. What have they done wrong?" <laughs> and then they freed a bunch of concentration camps, and he was like, "You see all these German prisoners of war? I'm going to put them to work. They're just going to watch over all the freed concentration camp." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, That's what? <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> they they, like, they alluded to that in, in like two lines of the whole fucking movie. But right. That's yeah. About it. And they try to frame it like, oh, he was just using them because they were there to work. But but you have your own soldiers use them. Like, yeah. Just poor decision making on this man's part, and he just wasn't a, a good person. And yeah. so, like, and I, and I don't feel the film is ever fully on his side right no not not at all like they basically make it like i mean it it is very much a this guy is a really good general yeah but like, that's they, it yeah they, they positive make, qualities 
in there. (laughs) But they definitely do make him like, hey, he's, you know, that's all he is. They definitely don't negative, though. (laughs) Yeah. They they definitely don't negatively say anything like outside of like, you know, this is all he's good at. Yeah. And then the at you know, at the end with the uh <clears throat> as uh the Germans are losing there at the end, the guy's just like and he'll die too because he couldn't live without war. All right. Yeah. Cheesy line, but Yeah. And then the other thing they they do that departs from reality is really like play up Patton's importance. Like they keep cutting over the Germans, and the Germans are like, oh, no, not Patton. Don't send him over here. They didn't even know who he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this like, is... Are you scared of Patton? Who the fuck that? <laughs> and, you know, um, not, try not to repeat too much from the first episode, but, it, I mean, this is the same kind of talking points. Um, we talked about how this film, in a way, helped mythologize Patton. Um, and, you know, obviously... Uh, Normandy and everything, but um, there's such an idea of him as before I saw this film, I knew that um, I had family members that had served under him during the war Mm -hmm. and it was always, he was like a god or whatever and that's just because of word of mouth and because of the way certain types of media and history have framed him or made him to look. And I'm sure there are people that watch this movie and they're like, Hell yeah, give him hell and agree with his stance on, you know, um, uh, battle fatigue and shit like that. And yeah. And he, and, and he's just like, no nonsense. Fucking smack talk doesn't care who he's talking to. He'll just trash talk the shit out of him. And then he doesn't get far enough. And those, those kinds of people be like, oh, or Patton. He's just, he's just a man doing man things. Right. Yeah. He just he's just getting rooted out by the politics of the military. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's certain segments of society who would pretty much still idolize him and uh look at him as a god. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I oh go on. No, uh no, so I mean it just kind of goes to show how put this up against the Barbie movie. You're gonna get out of it what you want out of it. Cause if we mm-hmm. look at this as a like from our standpoint, we're seeing, you know, you know, this guy who is not a good person. Like when he slaps a soldier, we're like, yeah, you should be reprimanded for that dick move. We're going to get that from this film where if you're one of those, you know, what happened to the Gary Cooper, you know, the yeah. quiet guy, that kind of thing. You're going to get the this is what happens when, you know, you I'm trying to think of the word here, but uh, bring down a, be- a good man for, you know, trying mm. to make people not be cowards or whatever. Just, no, just right. railroad him. Yeah. So just I mean, trying to get just, people to quote unquote man up. It's, it's again, like you get what you're looking for. You're, you're not learning or at, you're not growing anywhere from this film. It's your, how you perceive it is, is, is the lesson you're going to learn from it. And I think that, right. you know, that's a credit to the writing, whether you, uh, uh, allow the audience to take what it from they take from it what they will, good or bad. I, I think it's a, it's a credit to allow for all audience. I think it's a detriment for not making a point. Yeah, I, I feel this is a very kind of middle of the road look on him. It it doesn't want to make him too unlikable, right? And you know, 
human beings are three-dimensional and like i'm sure Patton had enough positive qualities that people people were on his side and people liked him and people fought for him but at the same time like just doesn't sound like a nice person to be around right especially if you're a subordinate of his because he is just willing to you you if as his, as his subordinates it is your duty to die to yeah. accomplish the goal like sure he would like to have as many living men as possible cuz you know as he says you you don't win war by dying for your country you win war by making some other poor dumb bastard die for his but at the same time he's just like give me more bodies i'm just going to keep throwing them at whatever's coming at us yeah winning is the goal and and the hell with the the method at the same time he was a he was a guy who was not going to make you do anything he wasn't going to do cuz he didn't give a shit <laughs> yeah he was he was ready to die in battle and he, yeah yeah one of those kind of guys oh, I'm family die in every battle yeah yeah i mean in that way he's very old fashioned you know <laughs> mhm yeah no i just i I like this movie because you can definitely tell that we're coming into a more modern era in this film. Cause I feel like watching this does not feel like it's an older film. Like even though the fact that it is 50 fucking years old and right. I, I, I feel like a lot of, and I don't want to say the word epic by any stretch of the imagination. It just the way that war films have gotten more gritty I feel like this film didn't lean on that grit as much as it tried to make the battles. Cause I, that, I think the battles are the best part of this film. Uh, just the way that they're done. Like it just feels like you're actually watching how those kinds of formations and the tactics are done. And it's great that you get to see it from like where the officers are standing. Like, well, it's specifically Pat who, like you said, would actually be there not quite on the front, but at least on the field. Right. Yeah. Um, seeing those kind of battles. You don't see that um, really at all with any modern uh, war films, even World War II films. You really just see kind of close-up panning of that one specific action shot. Yeah. Um, so, you know. But yeah. when when you go into the script and the story, yeah, there's fucking problems, I think. Like, it's like that... They definitely pandered to get as much of an audience on this film as possible, I think. And and that was a point I was going to make is I feel like that kind of that kind of sitting in the middle, like using this film as a prism to glean what you want from it is what made it so successful. Yeah. And I mean, it made 45 off of 12. It's doing just fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a it's a huge, large scale um Beautifully shot, you know. We're here talking about the script, but it's a very visual spectacle, and it's very realistic looking. Um, I, I was watching a bunch of it. I don't remember. I mean, so much of it looks like shot on on a location and stuff. It, mm-hmm. It's just uh, we talked a little bit on the other episode how there's like the tor- turning point from old Hollywood to new Hollywood, and this is kind of a a little bit of a a combo of it conceptually, but still rooted firmly in old Hollywood filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause it feels all, a lot like a David Lean film. Right. Yeah. 
film. I, it, it's a good, it's a very good movie. It's a, I wouldn't, you know, recommend it as a history lesson. Um, it's, it's one of those movies sort of maybe like Gandhi or something that could be a good intro. You watch yep. it and then you go, uh, be like Paul and watch the history channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that I need to look up, though, is I need to see if there's any video or audio recordings of Montgomery, because I need to know if he was actually as aggressively British as Michael Bates made him out to be in this film. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, dude. <laughs> I loved any time he was on the screen. It's like, fuck, that dude is just British. Cartoony this almost looks cartoonishly British, like the, yeah. the real Bernard Montgomery looks cartoonishly British. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. Like, if, <laughs> oh, if you were to see a caricature drawing of a British person, it's probably Bernard Montgomery. Mm. You gotta look that up now. Bernard Montgomery. Oh, that's a British zombie. <laughs> <laughs> like, but. If you didn't know who who Bernard Montgomery was, and I told you the most British man in the world, you'd be like, "God damn, that must be Bernard Montgomery." <laughs> <laughs> you ever look at a person and know they've said the word "tally ho" at one point in their life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, here we are with a film that we've covered before. So, I think that might make our discussion topic. Cause we, yeah, we are really just going to rehash basically the same thing that we did last time. But and, and I, I mean, feel like it, when it comes to the script, it is, I think more important here than it was in best picture. Cause we can honestly, in best picture, look at it, you know, as a film, as a whole, have our issues that was brought up at that point. But here, I think those issues are specifically spent on the writing. It's how this film was written, mm -hmm. how the script yeah. was made. And, and it sucks. It sucks that we gave so much real estate to it the first time because now yeah. we have to discuss it. And it's like, oh, well, we said all that already. Yeah. So, <laughs> not saying, hey, forget this. Go listen to the other one. But with another, and and I came in going, there's got to be a reason because I didn't listen to the last episode. I, I was like, there's got to be a reason that number forty five of ninety five, because yeah. I as a film I enjoyed it. I I really did. I I yeah. think, and I think. I think at the end, we all agreed specifically that it should have or was just fine winning Best Picture because yeah. the whole film theory. Like, yeah, it, Scott is incredible. Malden's incredible. Like, the cinematography is beautiful. The art and set direction is gorgeous. I, I think the, the script, which is very good, is the weakest part of this film. Yeah. Mm. And, at, and again, it's not because it's a the script itself is bad but just the fact of how pandering it is like yeah. just how much it is just they not... uh took a lot of his flaws and uh uh terrible Minimum. beliefs and just kind of yeah shined it over Minimum. as oh he was an honorary old, yeah. old man yeah he's just a, he's just an old school guy who did old school things yeah and you know yeah. and it's also one of those like it's not so much what the film is about but how it's about it and this comes out mm -hmm. in the middle of fucking vietnam and yeah right you know and that's that's a tricky situation and i guess mostly you just want to be like hey you know if this is happening in a war that we kind of belong in what's happening in a war that we yeah yeah like i was looking just a little bit of at the production notes i don't know that we talked too much about that last time about mm -hmm. how 
there had been attempts to make film about the life of Patton as soon as he died. Um, his window, the window, widow resisted. Um, after she died in 1953, this, that's when Frank McCarthy began the project. 17, 17 years until release. Um, yeah, his family members kept decline, declining to help. So you wonder what the, you know, the hesitation on the part of the family was like, well, we don't want a movie made about him. If they were afraid things were going to come out. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until 1959 when McCarthy convinced the army to cooperate. So, I mean, if you have cooperation, cooperation from the army, then there's only so much, I guess you can yeah. put critical in the story. I just, I would like to see an actual, maybe not historically accurate, but like a more accurate film about Patton, but remaking biopics just kind of seems. There's yeah. enough, probably enough stuff about him out there. Yeah. Yeah, the History Channel's your friend, and all it ever does That's is talk fair. about World War II, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Jens, do you have any more uh, notes on Patton? Uh, no. Yeah. All right. Well, I believe we've covered the film archive already. We did, but do you want to guess again? Sure. I've forgotten everything. Hmm. Zach, did you listen to that part? I did, so I know. Oh. But... <laughs> Well, I'll take a guess because I don't remember what I had for dinner about an hour ago. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming yes, it is in. And we'll it go is in. 97. Uh, your price is right at it. Okay. Last time you guessed like 2020 or something. Uh, I got it in 2003. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, we'll go ahead and say five easy pieces, which is in the category. Went in 2000. Woodstock's in, it went into 96. Mash is in, which is, it's up in the, it wins. Adapted? Mash 1 adapted. So the adapted screenplay also <laughs> in 96. Uh, it's funny that Mash is in adapted and this isn't a, a quote unquote, uh, whatever this category is. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, Mash was specifically a novel. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it is funny. All right. Well, let's get into our worsty judgments. And Zach. Hello. Did this movie deserve the best original screenplay? So, you know, here in the notes, it says uh, 20th Century Fox had bought a soldier story, the autobiography, and there are other parts that Francis Ford Coppola wrote the film script in 63 based on. Uh, biography so for those issues I, I feel like it shouldn't even really be here also uh um let's see what we got love stories in the category love story piece of shit we shit on it before shit on it again what a piece so of crap bad. god it's so terrible i wish it were better but it's not um good I really wanted to watch Joe this week because that looks super interesting, but I just didn't have the time, unfortunately. But Five Easy Pieces is in this category, and that film definitely deserved the award. So I'm going to have to say no. Patton shouldn't have won. It should have gone to Five Easy Pieces. All right. Um, I have not seen any of the other on this category. Damn it. But as the... 
I, I can't give this movie a best original screenplay though. I just feel all of the problems of this film are, as like Paul pointed out, are in the writing. Like, that's just what it is. And so, would I give it to something else? I mean, I'm sure. You know, why not five easy pieces? Because you know, Jackie boy. But uh, good call. Yeah, Paul, do you think this movie deserves best story and screenplay based on factual material or material and not previously published or produced? Um. I'll I'll give an answer as long as this title. No. Oh wait. Um, All right. <laughs> Zach, I also want to see this Joe now, just based on the poster. Peter Boyle, like looking <laughs> off screen, saying, "I'm the Joe everybody's talking about." Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Susan, Susan Sarandon's first screen appearance, apparently. Yeah, this is a uh, John G. Appleton six years before Rocky, so I'm gonna check that out. Uh, but it's I did on, not get to check. It's on Pluto TV, apparently. Okay. Uh, um, I'm I'm just going to repeat everything Zach said. Love stories, giant turd that sucks and I hate it. And um, Five Easy Pieces is an incredible film that uh, is an absolute gut punch of a movie. And um, I think that should have won and Patton should not have. All right. Well, Zach. Hi. Is this the worst best original screenplay? Let's see. Let me rank it right now. Let's do it live. There's a man who'd love George Patton. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's probably got a killing Patton book. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do everything. I still gave it a four star ranking and that's going to place it at number 17 on the list. So it is not the worst. It is number 17. All right. I got it at my number 21. 21! I had it higher. I had it at 17. But again, as we talked, reminded myself that, yeah, the issues are in the screenplay. And while this movie may be more replayable, in fact, I think I've watched this movie since, like, in between when we watched it last time. That was two years ago, so. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, uh... Yeah, no, it's like I said, the problems in the writing. Mm-hmm. Paul, yes, is this the worst best original screenplay? No, I I stuck with my three and a half. I I felt that was a good representation of this film. I I like this film a lot, but it is definitely not the worst. Um, I've put it down at my number twenty-five, which mm. currently places it in my bottom five. I know things are going to replace it there, but I, I, I just want to point that out. It is my, it is my number five in my bottom five. Mm. Um, I got it right over seventh veil, a film I think is incredible right up until his last like 10 minutes. Yep. 10 seconds. <laughs> ten, yeah. 10 seconds. Really? And I, I had placed it a little higher earlier and then I started looking what I had under it. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm not sure I like this as much as darling. All right. Down it went. Well, that is where we are going to call it here today, everybody. My name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on the Twitter, Twitch, TikToks, and on Letterboxd at Alternarscore.com. This week, I was still on that Marvel grind. Like last time we talked, I was on uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, I just finished the group shows, which came after 
uh, Love and Thunder. I am Groot. The I am Groot shows. So those are those are really cute. I skipped WandaVision and the first season of Loki because I really just didn't want to watch WandaVision again. That's fair. Uh, but I did watch Hawkeye and I did watch uh, Miss Marvel. Wow. And I really liked Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel's great. Yeah. And I liked Hawkeye just fine. I think Hawkeye's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I don't know what people's beef with that show was. I don't either. Like, people seem to just stop caring about having fun while watching things. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. I, yeah. I don't like things, some things that people consider fun, but I was, uh, saw a post the other day. It was like, it, it was, I mean, I didn't click on the article. It was probably one of those Unilad articles, but it was like this actor, this person says that this person is more important to the MCU than Robert Downey Jr. And my immediate thought was John Favreau, right? Right. With, with, I mean, it would have to, it wasn't Favreau. I didn't even see who it was. I didn't care, but I know it wasn't Favreau. I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. It, yeah. Like, even as a character, happy, I think, is what is a glue. But just the fact that Favreau brought the MCU of, to be a thing, I think, just matters. Yeah. Um, also, the goats in Love and Thunder uh, still are fucking hilarious. Fucking hysterical. Like, yeah. Every time. So, yeah. Well, that's me, Zach. Where can yeah. we find you? You find me on Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-E-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, Letterbox, searching my name. Uh, we're slowly making it through the Marvel. We watched the first Thor, and now we're going to do the Avengers next. So We do about one movie a week right now. So. Yeah, what order are you watching them in? Day. <laughs> well, uh, we, we're basically doing release order, except I inserted... Uh, Captain Marvel into the first phase. I was like, we'll just introduce that character to the boys earlier. So you just watched Thor. You should be watching Captain America First Avenger next, right? That's the one that came out right before. Because it went Iron Man 1, 2, and then Thor, wasn't it? It went went Iron Man 1, Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that's right. Well, we watched Captain America before Thor. So oh. we've seen it anyway. I guess maybe we messed up there, but chronologically, I, it makes sense. It didn't really sort of. Yeah, chronologically, that'd be like the first one you would watch, you right? Know? Like I said, if you click on the, uh, if you're watching on Disney Plus, it has the uh, the saga order, right? Right there. The only thing it doesn't have is, I think, I think the only technically MCU movie it doesn't have is No Way Home. Mm. It doesn't have um, Hulk. It does have Hulk. Universal. No, it has Hulk. Oh, they put that on there now? Yeah, it's on there now. Because it, it yeah, wasn't when Leanne, yep. when Leanne did the rewatch like seven, eight months ago. I, no, yeah, I think it was just there. like a two or three months ago that they put Hulk in there. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, No Way Home, I think, has to go through like a whole bunch of other streaming services before Disney gets it. Yeah, probably. Mr. Workman! Hey! Where can uh, they find you? You can... You can follow me at Father of the Fear on Instagram and Letterbox, where I'm keeping a running tally of all the films I watch. I'll just talk about the the uh, non uh, awards pictures that I watch because I don't know if you know, but uh, I paid ninety five dollars. <laughs> Damn it! I was trying to do this little straight face, <laughs> Jonathan. Um, Pay ninety five dollars to uh, the film Independent Spirit Awards. What I'm its voting body. And the voting is open now. I'm behind on movies, so I watched quite a few of those this weekend. 
so I'll just I'll just cover the newer films that are in theaters right now that aren't part of the awards. Uh, I wouldn't saw anyone but you. I should have seen anything but this movie. <laughs> it's bad. Well done. Nice. <laughs> bad movie. I I just had some free time and said to myself, you know what? Instead of watching these movies that I should be watching, I'm going to go see this movie. I saw it. The leads Bad no decision. Chem- the leads have no chemistry. I don't want to put it all on Sydney Sweeney, but her performance is flat. Mm. Why she is... sounds like she sounds like she's reading off a cue card the entire movie. Mm. Literally every image I'm seeing of this movie is the Nicholas Sparks white people almost kissing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I've, but it oh go on. I was gonna say I just I see all these people talking on TikTok about it, like they're walking out of the film with their boyfriend, their boyfriend looks all dejected and stuff. So I don't know what it's about, but <laughs> Okay, I'll give you I'll give you a real short rundown. This couple hooks up one night and she leaves without saying goodbye. And then she comes, she was like, why, why am I leaving? She comes back and she overhears him trying to like save face with his friend by being like, oh, I couldn't get rid of her fast enough. So then they end up in each other's circles and they hate each other. And then her sister's getting married. So they, they're both in the wedding party because her sister and her sister's bride both have personal connections to two of them. So they end up in this wedding party together in a house in Australia (laughs) and quote unquote hilarity ensues. I probably laughed like three times and it was nothing, none of the madcap hijinks. It was just a few lines here and there. And honestly, like the, the father of the bride, the stepfather of the bride is fucking hysterical. He's the best character of the movie. Loved him. Awesome. Probably. Out of the three times I laughed, two of them were probably at him. Uh, went and saw the new Matthew Vaughn film, Argyle. I liked it. Nothing to write home about. Yeah, I saw the trailers and I was like, this might be silly enough that I could really enjoy it. And I see, unfortunately, that, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, that's bombing pretty badly right now, I guess. But I mean, that honestly, that shit, that does. Box office numbers don't mean anything to me. I, I think this trailer played too many times before every single movie all the time, and it just mm. turned people off to the point where they just don't want to see it. Yeah. And I, I get that, because it really got old. Yeah. Because it felt like they were trying to aim this movie at everybody. They're like, oh, it's romance, and it's spies, and it's action, and it's... It, that is a I will say a half. Yeah, it is a cast and a half. I will say it is fine, but I had a good time. Whatever objectivity you can put to a film, it it at least felt like Matthew Vaughn had a grasp on what he was trying to make, even if what he was trying to make wasn't as interesting as he thought it was. Mm-hmm. And it honestly could be a lot sillier. I think his problem is it's not silly enough. He He really should have gone balls to the wall start to finish. Like, it should never have let up. It should have just been over the top and campy and silly the entire time. Because mm-hmm. when it when it really hits on all cylinders, it's so much fun. And I'll say, like, the third act is probably the best part of the movie. The I'll first act. 
Yeah. The first act kind of trods. The second act kind of mm, has its moments. Third act, there are just a couple of scenes that are... That's it. Those are the two I watched. All right. Uh, Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching a film called The Hospital, which you can uh, find for free on Pluto TV or Tubi. Or if you feel like it, you can watch it on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Google, Vudu, or YouTube. All right. Patty Chayefsky for everybody's life. Yeah. We've got uh, um, George C. Scott again. Mm Mm-hmm. Getting nominated back to back. But we'll talk about that next week. Indeed. But until next week... We'd like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Loving Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. Thank Chad Ramsey for our Mazdex theme song. Like thank Megan J. Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at OscarsDPod and on Facebook at the OscarsDPodcast. Don't forget to subscribe. The podcast leaves a nice five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps us to be seen in the all. Almighty algorithm. Almighty algorithm. Five stars, like a certain general. So, oh, Jonathan and Zach and the C and George C. Scott, which stands for Coop. We'd like for you all to have a damn fine day. <laughs>